Welcome to Engage Your Tribe, a podcast about the art and science of audience engagement. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest is Nathan Elson, CMO at CDF Capital. Nathan, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. It's a pleasure. So before we get into our discussion today, I just want to do a little uh, quick shameless plug, if, if that's okay with you. Sure. Engage Your Tribe is brought to you by Tribal Knowledge Podcasting. We are a full-service B2B podcasting agency, and we help brands just like yours use podcasting as a fun and efficient way to have an authentic, non-sales-type conversation with the buyers and decision-makers you need to get to know to grow your business. You can learn more at tribknowledge.com. Okay, so Nathan, tell us a little bit about your background as a marketer and about the company, about CDF Capital. Sure. So I've been in marketing for about 25 years. So I, I tell people I've been through three distinct eras of marketing. I started in, in, the, in the industry before desktop publishing was really a big thing where you still had to do a lot of stuff by hand. Went through the dot-com era and then now the social media era of marketing. So just really just three really distinct eras. I focused um, mostly on niche markets, how, how to attract and to engage markets that are widespread and are really really the mass market. And that's kind of where I went to CDF Capital. I've been here for six years. <clears throat> I helped rebrand the organization, um, changed the name after 20 plus years of a certain name. We've been around for 70 years and we have a very interesting niche. We provide investments to individuals and organizations and we lend money only to religious nonprofits, churches, and, and schools of the such. And uh, because of what we do, we have an immense amount of regulation because we issue securities and those type of things. Uh, we also have a very niche market because we are only allowed to market our products and services to a certain subset of people associated with the organizations that we can serve. So uh, it's, it's very much niche marketing. It's very much uh, audience engagement for us is about not finding the people because we know where they are because we know who they are. Mm -hmm. It's about getting their attention in different and interesting ways so that we can be part of their conversation. Yes. Okay. Thanks for that. So now I know because we spoke before that when it comes to marketing, you guys are very restricted by all kinds of regulations. Yes. So describe some of what you're dealing with there. Well, because we deal with religious institutions and we deal with financial services, uh, we can't um, we can't guarantee any spiritual benefit for anything that people do with us. So we can't say, hey, God wants you to invest with us. That's manipulative and coercive. And we wouldn't want to do that anyways. Sure. So we have a lot of language restrictions we have. There's certain words we cannot use and certain words we can use. The other thing about us is because we are not a bank or a credit union, we don't carry the same insurance through FDIC or SBIC that they would. And so we have to disclose that we don't have those insurances. And so we're considered an at-risk investment. Now, we've been around 70 years, and we have never failed in that 70 years to pay an investor back for money or make it an interest payment, which no bank, commercial bank in North, in North America can say that because there was the bailout after 2008 where mm -hmm. they did miss interest payments. And so we, are, we have a very sound financial history, but we also can't say that our investments operate like a bank's investment or a credit union's investment because they are not banking products. And because mm -hmm. of that... We have to overcome not only challenges in describing what we do in a way where we can't do direct comparison, uh, we have to overcome challenges of language and, and style and different things. And so, and so for us, it becomes a, a exercise in understanding regulation and pushing the edges of those regulations to accomplish our goals marketing-wise. Okay. So as a marketer, 
dealing with those kind of restrictions on the one hand, I imagine can be, you know, kind of a bummer. There's all kinds of things you'd like to say that you can't. But on the other hand, you know, it limits your choices and within a more limited arena, you're forced, I think, to be creative and resourceful, right? To use the cliche, uh, necessity is the mother of, invention is the mother of necessity. Is that the cliche? Necessity is the mother of invention. Necessity is the mother of invention. There we go. I I couldn't get the cliche right. So, So give me some examples of how you work within those regulations and, and how you you use creativity to be able to do good marketing. So I love that you brought up that quote or that phrase, because really that is, is the environment we're in. Now I've long thought that the more restrictions you have in a creative process, the more creative product you're going to get. Um, I'm a gamer and a nerd. And so back in the eighties, I had something called the Commodore 64, which was a home computer that had a lot of games on it. Mm-hmm. By the end of the life of it, it had some of the most advanced, interesting games because people had to get so creative with the limited things that it could do. They made these sweeping epic game-wise. I love that. And I often tell the story of Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel. He wasn't given creative freedom. They didn't, the, the bishop didn't come to him and say, make me something beautiful. He said, I want you to paint the story of creation on the ceiling. Right. And so sometimes when we have those limitations on ourselves, we become the most creative. And the way we've gotten around that is we've, we've actually gotten around it by embracing the regulations to their full extent and exploiting that to our benefit. Now, when the regulations say that you can only, you can't compare yourself to a bank, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't say these certain words, you can't do certain things, we said, great, we're not going to do any of that. And what we did is we went to the regulators and talked about our strategies. And so instead of marketing ourselves and our products, we market the impact that our work has. And the regulators don't care. They don't care if we tell stories about the churches and what they're doing. If we tell stories about the people who invest with us and what's going on in their lives. If we go and we create content that supports what we're doing, that's informational content. As long as we're not giving advice on investments, and as long as we're not promoting our investment product, there's no regulatory entanglements there. So we went all in with on the creative side of things. We tell stories. We engage our investors. We tell stories. Hey, there's this inve- we have one investor. She's still an investor. Our very first investor. Mm. Her name's Letty Briggs. We tell her story every year because she's been an investor for 50 plus years and she's still alive and still investing with us. And so we get to tell those stories. And then what we do separately is we do what's called tombstone advertising for our rates. We have this investment at this rate and this is how you get it. And that's they're completely separate. And by doing that, we've been able to have as much creative freedom we have in, in promoting who we are as an organization and not get into the regulatory entanglements. So we got through and passed and have seen the growth we've experienced and see the success we've experienced in raising investments and growing our organization, not by trying to figure out how to manipulate within in the regulations, but by embracing them to their fullest extent. Mm-hmm. And what that's done is just open up a way to communicate to our audience that was never there previously. It's been fantastic for us. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And it, it sounds like those th- that what you did really led you to a really f- fruitful place. Because what, yeah. you just, what you just described, you know, telling stories about the impact you have is actually, that's like content marketing 101, right? Yeah. It, it's don't talk about yourself. No one really cares. Talk about what happens when people work with you, right? And, and, and just the, the, the outcomes 
right? And so you were, the regulations kind of forced you there, but really uh, the best marketing you see in industries, even without those kind of regulations, is also doing that because it's just good marketing. It is. And for an organization that um, competes with banks regularly, we're not going to win the the mind space of trying to talk about why we're better and why we're different, um, unless we're doing something that shows why we're different. And and we're not even better; we're just different. And 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 it's been really fascinating, really really encouraging to me because we get to focus on the human side of a of something that's very mundane, where people keep their money. Yeah. Well, we're one of the few organizations that do these things where I can tell you, if you invest with us, we can tell you exactly where that dollar went and what it did. Mm-hmm. And that sense it's a part of it a little bit differently. And so it's been fun. It's, it's been tough, but it's been fun because you know, it's an uphill climb to go from nothing to a robust content marketing system and have it start to pay benefits. But we've gotten where we are because we, we've toted the line and we don't take risks unnecessarily. But because of that, we've had an amazing amount of creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, by the way, Commodore 64, awesome. I think we're probably like roughly the same age or like oh, yeah. the same era. I have such fond memories of, the, not, I, I remember the VIC-20 first yeah. before this Commodore 64. I have, I have both of them in my, my garage still. Yeah, and then, I mean, getting this the 64 was like whoa that's such a huge step up and you're totally right i mean compared to today's computers it's like laughable you know how little power it had but i remember as a kid just being so enthralled and spending so much time in that thing not just playing games but even learning how to make them like code them in really simple ways um and i think about that in comparison with like computers i use today i mean you know i'm a grown man so it's not as magical fine but also just you know, sometimes more complexity, more options, more power doesn't always mean that the thing is necessarily better. You know, well, I think depends- marketing that, that's very true because yeah. at the end of the day, and you know, I had this conversation, marketing is really simple. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it, it's not, theoretically, marketing is not tough. It's you're trying to convince somebody to change their behavior to yeah. something else to what you want it to be. Uh, and so conceptually, it's been there. And, and, marketing hasn't changed in the history of marketing, but it's changed is the complexity of how it's done. Yeah. And, and I think we get caught up in the complexity too much and miss out on the basics often. And I've been, that's one thing that, that I have conversation a lot is how yeah, you can get into micro targeting and all these different things and catch the latest fads, you know, Snapchat, Instagram stories, whatever it may be. And they all can be effective. But they're only effective if it's pointing in the right direction and has the right support behind it. Um, and so we don't need to have overly complex marketing strategies in order to be effective. If you have the right strategies, you can add the complexity on later. So for us, it, that's kind of where we are at this point in our, in our endeavors. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it really speaks to the value of focusing on the fundamentals and, and going back to them and where... Yeah, having like unlimited options in terms of tech or channels, on the one hand, that's a blessing, right? I mean, there's so much more you can do. But on the other hand, it can be paralyzing sometimes or it can end up watering stuff down uh, because it seems like this open, endless vista. And like, we can do anything. 
Yeah. And it can be hard to really focus in, or that can be a distraction from really focusing in and saying, okay, we can do anything, but we shouldn't do try to do everything. And like, what is it that we really are, have to say? You know, what, what are, what's the basic here? And, and what I, what I tell people is that I'd rather spend my time figuring out where my audience is and meet them where they are and trying to get them to come to where I am. Mm-hmm. And we spent as much time digging into the demographics and understanding who our investor base is as we have anything else. And for us, it was actually quite surprising because we have some very high end investors with us, but when we looked at it and we looked at who's really investing. We found out that the majority of people that invest with us aren't high wealth individuals with large annual salaries. And so there's a very different value proposition talking to working class mm-hmm. Midwesterners than there is talking to intellectuals on the coasts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so we spend as much time trying to, to understand who we're talking to as we do talking to them. And I think that speaks to what you're just saying, because rather than trying to figure out, hey, let's get on Instagram and see if we can get people to invest with us because we're on Instagram. Well, no, we've found out that people that invest with us tend not to be on Instagram. So that's probably not somewhere we want to spend a lot of effort in trying to do things. Now, it's got its place, but where are we going to put the effort? Yeah, that makes total sense. And, you know, I think another benefit of really kind of being forced to to narrow your op to, well, to have narrower options, right? Yeah. And being forced to concentrate is it lends itself to you creating your own unique voice. And I think that's so important, especially given the proliferation of channels and content creation that do you actually have something to say that hasn't already been said a million times and that you're not just kind of repeating. And I, you know, that takes time and concentration to develop. And it makes me think of, of one of my favorite rock bands, the White Stripes. I don't know if you're if you're into them, but like you know, I'm from the Detroit area, and you know they they came from Detroit. And part of just what's so cool is you know it's just Jack White and Meg White, right? Just the two of them. Mm-hmm. And I think it started that way because you know that's just how bands start. Sometimes it wasn't like yeah. this deliberate thing, like we're gonna be just two people and do something different. But but. You know, Jack White talks a lot about how given that it was just the two of them and they didn't have a lot of money and he just had like some plastic guitar from Sears. He's like, OK, how can we get the most out of what we have? And and he they they had these like rules in place. It, it, it was it had to do with the number three, like they limited their songs or what they were doing to like three main elements. And anyway, without getting too far in the weeds there the result was just fantastic, right? Like yeah. one of the most distinctive bands of all time, maybe, but certainly right. of the last several decades. And, you know, now again, I think Jack White's kind of a musical genius. Like he's an incredible talent songwriter, but still a lot of it came from the simplicity of what they were doing and deliberately keeping it really simple and just like really kind of basic. And it led to just these incredible results and a really distinctive sound. And I think, you know, the analogy in marketing is like, wouldn't you want to stand out like the white stripes if you could? Of course. Right. And it's actually not complicated to figure it out. Like one of the things we did early on is we did a bunch of research with Google and with everyone else and just asked the question, hey, 
what are people talking about and what are they not talking about? And so we looked at, well, here's a bunch of searches that no one's really talking about. It's not directly related to us as an organization, but can we have something to say in that space that's going to get the attention we want to get in a way that's not weird or anything else? And we found ways to do that creatively. And we found that, hey, there's this, there's this whole segment of conversation that's just not happening um, publicly. Now, it's happening privately because people are searching for these things. So you know these conversations are happening. So it's just doing simple things like, hey, what are people want to talk about? The next thing we did is we started asking people. We asked our investors. We asked the churches we worked with. What do you want to learn about? And then we started creating that content. Right. And so we were trying to impose what we thought onto the situation. We're like, hey, listen, we want to serve you. And for us, by having that inward focus and figuring out, hey, how can we serve the people we already have? It's allowed us to expand that focus outward. So by become, by focusing inward, we started gaining gains outward. It was, it was great because one of the issues we don't have right now is lead generation. Mm-hmm. And our big issue is not lead generation right now. Our big issue is conversion. And I have a little unicorn I keep in my office. It's just, I can see it right now as I'm looking at, a, at the webcam. And I call her conversion, the marketing unicorn. Like, how do <laughs> we take our audience and get them to engage in what we're doing? And that's our biggest challenge going forward is figuring out conversion. Yeah. Okay. So much more we could talk about. But I want to shift the gears for a sure. second here and just ask you kind of a couple of quick questions. You don't have to, your answers don't need to be quick, but I'll make the question as short to the point. So number one, what's your main focus in Q1? Just what I said, conversion. We're launching as big of a progress as we can within the constraints that we have to figure out what a reliable conversion number is. Now, on our lending side, we know that if we get 15 organizations talking to us, 10 of them are going to ask for a proposal. Of the 10 that ask for a proposal, five of them will, will do a do all the debt work with them. And of those, four of them will sign loans with us. We, we just know those ratios. So we know mm-hmm. if we want 50 loans this year, we have to have 400 organizations that we talk to throughout the year. Right. So, but we haven't figured that on the investor side. And, and here's what the challenge is for us is that we can't generate demand. I can't go to you and say, hey, Jeremy, you need to invest with us. And here's why. If you don't have the money to invest with us. Mm-hmm. Right, so we need to we need to make sure we do things where the opportunity to invest um, is available in a, when life circumstances and potential investors match up. And what we don't know is what that conversion rate is. We don't know if it's a one percent conversion from lead to investor, or if it's one tenth of a percent, or if it's one one hundred percent. And for us, we're going to do everything we can this first quarter to figure that out. And so that's our biggest mm-hmm. theme for the first quarter: is what's a reliable conversion number. Because if we can figure that out, we can just do the math backwards and say, hey, we need to spend X amount of money to grow our audience so that we can get this many new things out of it. We don't have that piece. And because we don't have, the reason why we don't have it is because we're at the mercy of market forces as much as it is anything else. Mm-hmm. When interest rates are low with the Fed, we do okay. When interest rates rise with the Fed, it becomes a more competitive on the investment side. Mm-hmm. It's the opposite on the loan side. So for us, it's a delicate balance act. But if we can figure out that conversion piece, then we can start not experimenting with attraction, experimenting with conversion. And that's where we kind of where we want to get to. Okay. So next question. What do you and your team hope to accomplish this year? 
Well, our biggest thing, the conversation here is actually on my whiteboard right on the other side. Right here's my unicorn right there. It's my whiteboard with my goals on it. Um, our biggest thing this year is to uh, grow our net investor base. So just by attrition, as far as people needing money for life events or the term of an investment coming through or anything of that nature, um, I think my video just crashed. Oh, here it's back. Okay. Anything of that nature, um, we lose investors. And so we want to have a, a positive investment number this year instead of a negative investment number. And really, it's it's not as much about the amount of dollars. It's about, hey, we want more people involved in what we're doing. So we're finding different ways to do that. And that's kind of our big goal for this year. That's why conversion is so important to us because we want to figure out what's going to take to get to that goal. Okay. Well, thanks so much for that and for really a great conversation overall. I, anytime I can get to talk about the Commodore 64 and the White Stripes, then that hey, I consider it a win. <laughs> I was going to bring a brush, but it's, it's all right because they're very similar to the White Stripes, just a different era. The moment yeah. you hear a White Stripes song, the opening chord, you know it's the White, the white Stripes. Yep. And that's brilliant. That's, that's wonderful. To, and, and that's the kind of marketers we all should hope to be. The moment mm-hmm. someone sees something of ours or, or hears us speak, yeah, they should know it's us, and and that's it's, it's aspirational for me for that. So thank you for bringing that up. It's a fantastic metaphor. Yeah, for I'm going to go listen to some White Stripes right now. Yeah. All right, well, Nathan, thanks so much. Great talking to you. Thank you so much, Jeremy, and I appreciate the time. That's it for this episode of Engage Your Tribe. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. You know you want to. If you're a marketer or an internal communicator and you're interested in podcasting, we've got tons of free resources on the website at tribknowledge.com. That's T-R-I-B knowledge.com. Thanks for listening and staying engaged.